today's episode, Dave interviews actor Pat Fenn. Pat has appeared in Dude, Where's My Car? and It's Complicated. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. George has been on it. Uh, Tom Dreesen was oh, the first great. guest. Have you met him? I have. I love Tom. He's great. Fucking good man. Man and old school. In the sense that he's got so many great was, stories. Yeah, right. And he's still appreciative to be here and to meet right. people like us. He's not like uh, on airs. No, 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 no. And um, and that's exactly what that's exactly what I was just I was just talking to somebody about that very thing of saying he's old school. And you know what he's also old school about the way that he tells a joke. Yeah. The way that he fucking tells a joke, and he doesn't swear, and he's clean, right, right, right. and he fucking opened for Sinatra, yeah. and we had a, you know, so they they list the uh, they list the podcast according to you know if it's explicit, and the one with Joel was very explicit, okay. Murray, okay. you know, the one with uh, with <laughs> with Mo Collins was very explicit, sure, and yeah. the one with Tom was like it's clean, yeah, it's clean. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, that's right, because when you're in the company of somebody like that, yeah, you don't swear. Right, right, yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's. Uh, you're, I mean, not the same, but I remember I did a. Are we on now? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Look at that. We already. Started. Yeah, we just started. Well, I already started. punched in. No, it's never like, I ladies did. and gentlemen, I got packed <laughs> in over here. We don't. Oh, warm welcome. I don't do that, and He's that's for me. Scotty. I feel like I don't. I'm not. I, I'm not interested. I'm interested in in We're, what yeah. you did and who you are. Right. But it's not like, hey, what was your motivation while right, right, you're doing? Right, yeah, it's like yeah. I don't give a fuck about that. Right. Anybody can figure that shit out. You know, so you're saying? No, you're no. I was, well, I didn't feel bad because I don't. I mean, I love him to death. I, was, I worked with Timmy Meadows. Yeah. We did a pilot one time together, and uh, which was great. He was phenomenal. But like by the end of it, I, I rarely cuss. But I was like, you know, I'd come home and be like, you know, you know, hand me the uh, hand me the effing hammer. You know, and it's like, where'd that? I was like, where'd that come from? Like, I don't know. I think I've just been hanging around like five or six people. You know, I used to I work would, at a factory. It was the same thing. Well, the thing is, like sitting around and being able to talk to somebody like that. Where, but there is a level of respect that you give to somebody. Who you know doesn't swear. Sure, yeah, yeah. And when you do that, as opposed to um, improvising. Yeah. Because uh, when I feel like I can't swear when I improvise, I really feel like it's shutting me down. Right. Even though you might have a great show without it one time, it's just when you get a little handcuffed, you just feel like, oh, well, you, you start to make subconscious choices that you wouldn't normally make. Clearly. Yeah. And then when you go, is sw- if swearing's not okay, what about this abortion thing right. I want to bring up? Yeah, yeah. Or um, I did. I, somebody hired me to work with them in at a theater in Phoenix. Okay. And it's work with his company, yeah, yeah. and to come in and, and then do a show with him that night. And I'm like, great, I'll do that. That's fine. That's one of the things that I do. So he hires me to come in, and we work, and we work during the day, and he pulls me aside, and he says, I just want to tell you that um, you're the first person in this space that's uh, ever used the F word. And I go, what do you mean? I look around, and there's, like, books on Mormonism that's lying around. I'm going, you know what, dude? You've got to tell me. Yeah, right? Of course. Yeah, that was, yeah, they, you walked into a trap. Yeah, not a trap, but, like. Clearly yeah. walked into something, and then when I performed with him the, that night, he said, "Hey, I got to bet a bunch of me and a bunch of people that you're gonna swear tonight." And it's like, "Hey, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to lose that bet." I'm like, "You know what? That is one of the most fucking passive aggressive." <laughs> right. Look, just tell me. Right. Yeah. Well, this is a family show, and right. I'm gonna get it. Of course. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get it, but you don't swear that much anyway. No, I'm a um, even even at Second City and improv shows. When my folks uh, would come to the show, my mom would come to the show. My mom is a daily communicant, right. and extremely, you know, I, I 
come home from an audition and be like, ah, oh, I didn't get it. And she, literally, she would every time just go, well, it's a great opportunity to offer it up to the good souls in purgatory. You know, and you're like, I don't know if they care in heaven about my acting career, but it's just such, that's her kind of thing. I know. You offer it up. And so she would come to shows, and it was understood in anybody, in any uh, group I was with that n- nobody, especially in improv, where you can curb it completely. Right. But I wouldn't swear. And I remember it was... Um, shoot, uh, not McCann, but one of those guys, maybe Leo Ford, but we did a thing, and, and halfway through the first scene, he just cussed, and he stopped and put his hands up, you know, because the lights were blocking him, and to the audience, he just went, um, I'm, I'm really sorry, Mrs. Finn. And you could see her just, oh, it's fine. I've, no, I heard, I the jewel, the bagger said that one. You know? like, but, it's, but the idea that that's what you're doing, and I people know. are paying money, like, what the heck's going on here? Right, right. But, when the, but there's also something... Your mom's, she's still with us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And uh, was, is she a Catholic that lives, is she a Catholic that lives her life l- l- like holding back or is there joy that oh, she... Oh, complete joy. Oh, and just, and just uh, um, yeah, not, not like a fear-based right. or, or like, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't do that, you're in trouble. It's more just like, oh, this is great. And I, you know what, I'll tell you a perfect example was... Um, we're back. Is it okay to talk about ETs? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We're back. You can talk about anything. Okay. You know, it, it, I mean, it's up to you. Well, you the know? Germans. <laughs> um, the the uh, we were backstage at ETC one time, and I was understudying. And I don't think you were there. I remember Almond was there. You might have been. Anyways, um, it was when the Bulls were in the playoffs, uh-huh. and it was like maybe Game Three of the Bulls' uh, run in the finals, and it was uh-huh. incredible. I mean, obviously the city was a buzz, and the whole place was crazy for the Bulls. So you know, bars were packed, and and nobody was doing anything other than watching the Bulls game at right. this time. So we had a first show at seven, and the next show, whatever, was at nine or ten, and it was like a Friday night, and there were uh, seven people confirmed for the show. And of course, there's the old like, you know, right. I think it's a union rule. If we have, if we outnumber the audience, we automatically get pull the plug. Right. And and they got on the phone with Joyce, and Joyce is, you know, clearly with the Bulls game on in the background. You continue the show. The show goes on. And uh, and I remember I was very caught up in the whole. It was ridiculous. I want to see the Bulls. I, this is, I can't believe we're doing this. Although I was understudying and happy to be there, but still, I was along with the group. And I remember talking to my mom, calling her backstage, and saying, "Hey, mom, I was going to come up for dinner tomorrow. If that's cool." Uh, for Sunday dinner, and she's like, oh, yeah, great. And um, she, she said, how's the show? I said, oh, the first show went really well. It was great, packed. The second show, boy, it's, it's tough because nobody's really here. And that just stinks because, you know, it, it's, you know, we want to do a show, and it's seven people, and it's really difficult to do a show. You almost don't want to do a show. I'd rather go see the game. And my mom said, well, I bet you those seven people didn't know that the rest of the crowd wasn't going to show up. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. And then she goes, um, you know what? Maybe that's seven people that need to laugh. And maybe you have a gift to make them laugh. And I was just like, I'll see you tomorrow at dinner. <laughs> you know, it was just so... And it was, I remember like, all of them like, hey, we got the guy from the union online too. And I'm like, maybe we should do the show. You know, it's just, which is such a know. nice way to look that's at so it. It's so beautiful. It and, is, and yeah. The reason that I bring that up, that bring that up, just that, that story is such a beautiful story, and it just it it, it says so much about you too. Oh uh, yeah, about you and you got you. You're five. There are five in your There's family. There's six of us. Six of you. You're four, three. I'm three. We're three. Okay, but uh, 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 so 
it says a lot about you. It says a lot about your brothers. It says, you know, anybody yeah. that I met. It also says about Donna and your yeah, kids sure. and looking at your family and all of that, of having that positivity yeah. going on. It, it, to be religious, to be spiritual, but to be human and to be present yeah. on this earth at right. this moment, yeah. as opposed to so many Catholics that I know that, you know, my... Um, my ex-in-laws, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. My ex-in-laws, which is like, don't say that. You can't say that. Jesus won't say that. And then oh. when my ex-father-in-law died, um, I was married. When my ex-father-in-law died, the four girls, the five girls wanted to sing a song that he sang. That it was my, my, my father-in-law's favorite song. Yeah. They wanted to sing it at his funeral, right. which, uh, which is at the church. Right. And the priest said, no, it's not following through. And I'm going, oh, my God. Because oh. it was something like, the, the words were so spiritually, not the wind beneath my wings, right. but something like that. Yeah. And you, go, you know what? You live your life like that. And it goes back to the idea of what we're talking about, of, of having that, that, that governor on it where you can't say this, you can't say that. Right. And to live your life like that and not to feel free and open. Yeah. And, and, and your family, obviously, you know, it's that pay it forward, but it's also you're taught to love what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and everything, and everybody, and every people. There was no part of anybody that ever came into our house growing up as a kid, whether they were different race, color, creed, anything. My parents, everybody was the same, right? Which is really cool, and right. it's the way it should be. And you always hope it is the part and parcel of the of the world, but I don't think it is. But I guess it's our job to hopefully spread it as much as we can. And and how do you do that? You do that by living the life that you're living, and everybody looks at that and goes, "Oh, okay." And I, and I would imagine. I would imagine, this is my guess, that your house is a house where people can, where it's a meeting house. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Well, even with, it's funny, even with I have three kids, and now it's with their, with their... That's what I mean. Yeah, two are in high school, all of them are there. Right. It's, and it's great, and I love, because then you get to know their friends better, and right. then they get to know us, and you keep an eye on them. But it's not, but it, the keep an eye on them, I love that you said that the third one, where right. it wasn't you keep an eye on them, it's oh. like they come over, you get, but the keeping yeah. an eye on them is also about witnessing them being alive and vibrant and happy. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you, you, they're going to come off and smoke crack or sell right. their underpants. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that smoke crack and sell underpants? Yeah, yeah, smoke crack That's and sell. What are you selling? My underpants. Wait a minute. Why is that crack all over your mouth? This is, now it's become two problems. Exactly. Or um, selling crack, and uh, doing crack and selling my underpants. What? What? You're selling your underpants? I just like the person on the third floor of your apartment just randomly hearing just underpants for sale. Exactly. It's got to be a slogan or some sort of a rift you can come up with. Exactly. Exactly. But I, but I was talking to Mo Collins. Do you know Mo? I know. She's great. I love Mo. Oh, my God. She's so great. And Mo was talking about how her house was was the house that people would go to and hang out and the kids would go there yeah. and it was like and, and how important her house was to her mm -hmm. um, you guys have lived in the same house for a really long time haven't you uh, grown up as a kid no no here here in LA yeah probably about 10 years yeah you lived wait did you move close to where you uh, we, we lived in like uh, Studio City right and then we moved a little bit over to uh, kind of across the street in Studio City still uh -huh. and then I think when we had an we were having our third kid. We moved to a house that would accommodate uh -huh. more people. But you're like in the comedy corridor over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah who's it's, over there? Uh, we got Mike Coleman. Jesus. Uh, Mike Coleman. In walking distance, Coleman, Stack, myself. And then uh, in driving distance, but five minutes away, is Keckner, Gardner, Holney. Grace? Grace. Look um, at isn't that. Isn't that crazy? Would, would you fucking look at that? Yeah, it's, you know what, the, here's, here's another weird thing. In our school, so we go to a school called St. Francis de Sales. Right. Which is really similar to St. Joe's where I grew up in Wilmette. Uh-huh. And it's, it's blue collar, 
Um, it's like blue collar, there's people there with money, there's, there's everything, but it's a great community and a great group of people. Um, and uh, it's funny that in our class, uh, like in, our, in, in, in the fifth grade, it's Ryan Finn, Margot Koechner, and Sean Holney. Oh my God! And right behind in the class, and and with Brian Stack's daughter on the waiting list. Right. And, um, and behind us is Liam Grace and uh, Finn Collins, which is just the five. And it's just, I we said we took a picture of them the first day of school and sent it to Sharna, who we came up with at the I/O, and right. it's just like, just a mind blowing thing to right. think. Wow, these kids are—they're all in fifth grade, and there are kids, and so we kind of brought Chicago out here a little bit. Well, we—you did, did in Chicago, a big way, in a no. huge yeah. way. And the thing is that along with that comes not not just the not just the family, but there's also an artistic community that's yeah. kept together because of that Chicago community, right. because of all the people, and it's a synergy. It is. You know? Uh, the, the coolest thing for me, and it happened not by design, but I remember coming out here uh, in the beginning, go, you know, as you would go to George's house. Right. And you would be the Danny George Breen's, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly, George went, and you'd be the Danny Breen's and Bernadette and, right. and all right. these different people, and you were always kind of like, oh my gosh, I remember seeing them on the main stage right. when I was coming right. up, or blah, blah, blah. And so... You know, we in turn have become a little, um, not bohemian, but a little community in that none of us, you included, we don't have family out here. Right. We don't have uncles and cousins and, like you do in Chicago. I mean, you go everywhere and there's, oh, that's my cousin, that's my uncle. Right. And, and, and you see a ton of family. And we have just by default become our own family. Right. So it's like, I'll take Sean Holney home or I'll pick up Margot Koechner or I'll drop off and just because... And, and what's my favorite thing is that... Uh, our kids are all, we have a barbecue, and now these kids are in the pool, and for lack of a better word, we're like circus folk in that we're entertainers, and we're always laughing and, and, and telling funny stories, and that my kids are in that world, right. I love. Right. Just that, what an exciting Ugh. time for them to be, and Cassidy now, who's 17, my oldest, will be like, one of the coolest things when you guys have barbecues and you guys tell stories, because we're more animated than many people. Right. And most barbecues in the middle of Simi Valley are like, hello, Roy, how are you? Yeah, good to see you. How'd that uh, research project go? But our, ours tend, tend to be somebody doing a, you know, an impression of somebody who lost a mustache at a party you know, and running around. I had a mustache when I came in. You know, whatever it is, just the oddity of it, I love that... Right. That you know, my kids are part of that world, and and Dave Kechner, Pete Holland, and James Grace, right? Pete Gardner, they're all kind of by proxy uncles, right? You know, and right? And and we all get an energy from that. So whenever we whenever we see each other, yeah. there's this fucking yeah. rush of what's going on? Yep. How are you? And when we go over to Nia and Ian's yep. house, Nia Vardalis and Nia Gomez, we go over to their house, we yep. hang out, and we look and see what they're doing, and that's the same community. In a different, it's a parallel community. It is, and we cross over. Yeah, and the Chicago influence is so profound, and it, and we, I, I swear, I think differently than other people. We, we, uh, you know we what? react differently. We communicate yes. differently yeah. than New Yorkers or Michiganders or yeah. you know, I mean, certainly people from Oklahoma. Right. I think there's a ballsiness that we have. It, it's it's like a ballsiness, but doesn't it doesn't stop into like. Sometimes New York people can be almost arrogant in that they can, you know, oh, he's from Long Island. Right. You know, you're right. like, if somebody said he's from the south side, not from right. the north side, we, hey, man, we're a long way from there, so we're complete buddy. I mean, Mike Coleman and I grew up, 
you know, whatever, 40 minutes from each other in Chicago. But you're at the opposite but, ends of the world, right? Yeah, but, well, no, but now Mike Coleman's blocks away. Right. I mean, I go over right. there to borrow a hammer drill, and he'll come right. over and help me with, you know, whatever. Uh, Joel Murray was here, and Joel was saying that, that your family and his family would caddy together. Is that yeah, right? Did yeah, I get yeah. that right? Yeah, Joel is... Um, Joel, we grew up in Wilmette, and right. Joel, uh, his family of nine, he's one of the youngest of nine, and right. five out of six, and our moms would go back to our moms. Our moms would go to church every day together, and um, I, my older siblings were in school with his older siblings, and right. then his sister Nancy, who's a sister, right. a nun a sister, nun, right. um, taught my little sister Katie, God. which is great. Right. And um, so just from that, we, I mean, when I got out here, Joel was one of the first people I kind of hooked up with because I knew him, but it was always that weird thing too because I was a freshman and he was a senior. Mm -hmm. So honestly, for the first like year, you know, we'd be year out here. Yeah, we'd uh -huh. be out. I'd be at a party and we'd just be like, uh, "Hey, little fitter, and grab me a beer." Uh, okay, Joe. <laughs> like, because I had that like freshman senior thing. Like, yeah, oh, right. Senior. Isn't that weird? You still keep, hold on to that shit too. Sort of. Well, because he was my brother's age, so that right. Was a that's of, right. And he never treated me different. I just no. always had that impression. But right. he and I and his family, Liza and all his kids, have been. Um, couldn't be closer, and with, with Donna, and so yeah, so we started out, and we caddied at a place called Indian Hill, um, which uh, was great, um, but that's where they, that's where Brian got the idea for Caddyshack, right? And a lot of the names are the same, and a lot of those things are the same, so right. it's kind of cool. Did you love watching that and going when you first saw it? We were yeah. probably blown away, going, "This is possible to to live your life and then make a movie out of it." Yeah, well, I think that that well, they just took everything and made things funny. Well, I mean, Caddy Field Day when we were kids was like literally like an hour. You know, they're like, okay, now you guys get to, and they would bring by like a fun size Snickers and like a, like a cup, like the cup you get at the dentist's office, like which is smaller than really regulation cups in general. They right. have to get them. Somewhere. It's enough for you to fill your mouth with and with spit it up. Right, and they would put in like a generic orange soda, like a Heritage House can, right. Lehigh they never, they or um, President's Choice. Howdy. Or yes. <laughs> like, does the president really choose this? Exactly. And how do we get it? The president could get anything. Why the fuck is he choosing this? <laughs> Flat, bad RC. Right. High V. Is it High V? <laughs> High V was one of them. Yeah. 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 But yeah. anyway, they would have that over. But there. yeah, so they had that. So they, but in the movie, it was you know, Caddy Field Day was was, right. was fifteen minutes. <laughs> Which was hilarious. Like we'll give him that much time, right? But, but that was also the movie with Duty, right? Duty, yeah, Duty, yeah, exactly. Well, because they used the pool, <laughs> right? Exactly. And Caddies weren't the cleanest people in town, but we certainly were thought of as more than lower class citizens. It was that but, Duty line, man. I mean, come to on. this day, oh my Duty, <laughs> I just looked floating in the belly. It's okay. Really, exactly. drain the whole pool, and there's a guy there with a suit, like observing everything, and then the guy with the squeegee. But no, that's how. Um, yeah, we were treated. My favorite is um, we went on strike one year as caddies, mm -hmm. and um, obviously the people that were the members of the club, um, Catholics were frowned upon there. Right, a big Protestant, mostly Protestant. Mostly, uh, yes, well, yes, exactly. Or Presbyterian or whatever. Yeah, like, like, just Boston. not Catholic. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. And uh, but you ca Catholics could caddy. Right, um, and uh, which didn't matter because my folks certainly weren't in any position to be a right, member of a nor would the, yeah, club. Yeah, exactly, club. Uh, but there were two, fam two, two Catholic families in there. Uh, the Dewares were French Catholic. They had two kids. Not Dewars. No, not Dewars. <laughs> and, and the Duties, no. Uh, and, uh, and the Sullivans. But and Duty hey, is an Irish name, isn't it? Oh, o Duty yeah. or something like that? Yeah, Duty. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, sure. Am I making the that duty? up? Oh, Duty. Oh, Duty. Is it Duty of... Duty would be an Irish name. I would think so, yeah. yeah. You know, it seems like it'd be an officer. 
Officer, <laughs> Officer Duty walking. All right, let's just settle down. Exactly. I've heard well, of I got Howdy Duty. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he was an Irish puppet. So, um, so um, we, the, the other family were the Sullivans, and they had like 13 kids. Nobody had any idea how they did. So my brothers and I would have. No, they, what? They didn't have They had like 13 kids, uh-huh. and nobody knew who, which kids were theirs because okay. there were just so many. I remember right. I was like, good Lord, what goes oh on in that God. house besides baby making? And uh, my brothers and I would always play. And every time they'd come over and be like, whoa, 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 you guys are members. Oh, uh, our dad said it was okay. What are your names? Um, I'm Patrick Sullivan. This is Kevin Sullivan. This is Tom Sullivan. It's like, all right. But like, and they always, every time, how many are there of you guys? Wow. Uh, I was 14. We just had our 14th. So it was like, no, there's more. <laughs> but they could never ascertain who we were, you know, or figure that it's out. It's crazy, you Catholics, how many, how many kids you, y'all have. Yeah, my dad's, uh, well, my, grand, my grandfather was one of 19. Uh, and my grandmother was one of 15. Tamara, Tamara Bick, mm-hmm. uh, our dear friend, her grandmother was one of, her grandmother had 24. Isn't that crazy? You don't stop making birthday cakes. Right. That's, that's, that's more kids like, that are legally allowed in an LAUSD class. Right. Like it's like, <laughs> and all those came out of that one woman's vagina. Right. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you'd also like think that the, like the woman would say to her husband, keep that fucking right. thing away yeah, exactly. from me. How many great you know, Barry White albums do they have? But then the other <sighs> thing was, uh, in the picture, there's a picture of the 19 children and it's mm-hmm. of, of my grandfather. And it's just a, a line of all the kids. And the boys went off and worked, and the girls took care of the babies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just funny to me, but they're all dressed up. And they were just poor and Irish, nothing, no money. But um, they went. Uh, there's a row of all of them, like uh, you know, like like they're on stairs, but it's mm-hmm. just their height because mm-hmm. of the age difference. And then in the middle is the mom, and they gave her a chair. Hold on a second, Helen. You sit down for this. <laughs> you rest up in a second. Uh, you got you got four four kids. You three. Have, you have three kids. three kids. Yeah. Yeah. A boy, two girls. Uh, yeah, two girls, Cassidy and Caitlin, high school, and Ryan, a boy. Oh, my God. Uh, and they're so beautiful. Yeah, thanks. I'm really, um, they're good kids. But I'll tell you, it is different growing up. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we went and played in the alley with all the neighborhood right. kids. It's different out here. It's oh, yeah. Place. Well, it's different everywhere. It's not just out here. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'd play, we'd go out in the, we'd go out, you know, it's one of those things where, one of these stories like, yeah, dad, shut the fuck up. But we would go out into the street yeah. and play 500. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Did you guys play 500? Always, yeah, yeah. Um, or pinners. Kick the can. Did you play pinners? Which was pinners? Off the stoop? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, Boom. yeah, we, yeah. Um, we played wall ball. Which is, you know when they spray paint a square yeah, rectangle? Yeah, 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 we played yeah. that. Yeah, but we had a name for that. We didn't call it wall ball. They call we called it cage it... ball too sometimes. Yeah. And my favorites was you play with the neighborhood kids. And then at the end, it was always like, okay, the six of us, we're all going to have a tournament. And then for the tournament, it was always an honor system. You had a broomstick and a, and a square, usually that was, a rectangle that was usually on a wall. A of broomstick? Wait, it was like 1920? I was done selling newspapers. <laughs> we had an orange Do we win? and a handle from a coal <laughs> shovel. Exactly. I had the wheel from the Titanic. Exactly. I would throw right. it at you. Right. My, my kid had scurvy and well, well, what could he do? I remember my dad had consumption. Like, <laughs> rubella. Suffrage. Uh, um, but it was, no, we'd have a broom handle just because you could hit that. We used to paddle ball, which is a... Uh, a little bit heavier than a tennis ball, but my favorite thing is we would take a, a pail of water when it got serious because you dip the ball in the water mm-hmm. and then when you threw the pitch, oh. it physically recorded where it hit on the wall. Right, so right. You're like, Boosh. oh, it was a strike. It's like, oh, yeah, it was, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah. People don't do that anymore, or no. do they? I don't know. You don't can't even get in over at the school over here. You can't get really? in over there. No, you can't. There's... You're too old, though, Dave. It's really, no, really... man, no. Dave, well, all right. I can go there. Um, <laughs> 
but I, but all that growing up and all that that like I don't want. Do you watch TV? I'm not as much as I used to. I think because uh -huh. no. I don't stay home and watch TV. No, it's different. Yeah, not as much. And it's so much shit is different right now. Yeah, that's the, well. It's funny. Like having kids is, is that. You know, for years, our grandparents and parents and stuff kind of had the same little road to hoe mm -hmm. as far as kids. Now I got to sit there and figure out how I'm going to police Facebook right. or texting uh, right. or any of that. It's just a, right. it's a different. Like your dad wasn't like, well, no, let's sit down, fellas, and talk no. about no, no. My know, dad would Instagram. come home. Uh, he was an electrician. He'd come home. He'd uh, we'd have dinner. Yeah. He'd sit in front of the TV. He'd mm -hmm. fall asleep. He'd go to bed. Yeah, we are so fucking lucky, dude. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I have so much time. Yeah. Yeah. I have so much time. But yeah. then again, I don't have any kids. Right, right, right. You know what's funny? My dad used to, one thing I remember my dad, he would come home and he had a, a suit on. And he, he sold mainframe computers to banks. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was like a salesman, basically. And um, did it just to put food on the table and a roof over our houses and pay for Loyola was a big thing. He wanted us all to go to a, a Jesuit high school. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's funny because he would come home and he had a, it was great. He had an old three, he would wear a three-piece suit, which mm. I always thought was cool. And he'd have the pocket watch right. and the fedora. Jeez. Yeah, isn't that great? I always just thought it was so classic. Are you like 90? Are you 90 years old? I just can't. It's like, he'd come right. home. Right, right. Right. He'd, he'd come home. He'd and strap the know, horse to I the front. I voted for Garfield. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and McKinley, eh, he's going to last a long time. <laughs> News about McKinley. Motorized dad. cars. <laughs> exactly. But he would come home and... and, and I don't know why I liked this so much, but I did. He would come home, and if you'd be in the kitchen or something, or my mom was baking something, you'd say hi to him, and that was it. He would walk right past you, and he would walk upstairs, and even if there was a chaos or a problem, he would walk upstairs, go into his room, uh, and put on a pair of jeans and a white T-shirt, and then come down and go, how's everybody's day? That's what I'm no, but that, but that, That's like, what I'm wearing. That was almost the suit that he had to wear. Right, and he had to take that off in order to be himself. Right, he didn't like the idea. You know, he right. didn't like that. It was just more like... Like, uh, yeah, now it's me. I'm not the guy in the suit. I'm, I wear that because I have to for sales and all that kind of stuff. But it was just interesting. It's, it's really, it's, what's also really interesting is the idea that, that he sold mainframe computers yeah. at a bank. But he didn't, he wasn't growing up thinking, you know what I'm going to do when I get older? I'm going to sell mainframe computers mm -hmm. at a bank. But we grew up with the idea of, there's one thing that I'm going to do. I want to entertain people. Did you, yeah. did you... Say, because um, I always I, in my classes I always talk about intention. What, what's your intention? Yeah. And I think that we are doing what it is that we're doing, whether or not we intended, we verbally said we're going to do it or not. We're doing it. Do you understand? Yes. So for me, I look at Carell and Colbert, and I think, all right, Carell always wanted to be a movie star. Right. He did. He yeah. always he, he yeah. might not have talked about it, but he I remember the drive that he had. Yeah. Colbert always wanted to be Colbert. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. what he's no, doing you're right. exactly. is exactly it. And 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 Amy Sedaris always wanted to be that. Right. And exactly. that's what she became. Yes. I knew that what I wanted to do was change people's lives. Right. And affect people's lives in this yeah. way. What was your what was your intention? Um you have thirty seconds. Uh, wait, um, I thought. Okay. Uh, I said, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> Let's play them off. Um, mine was different. I, but the one thing I had, and I'm sure you had similar, is that I remember being around parties and stuff like that. When my uncles would make jokes or make me laugh, mm -hmm. I always thought, like, to me, that was the coolest thing in the world. That if you could make someone laugh, right? And if you didn't have any money in the world, but you were sitting there at the dinner table with your family, and in our house, dinner table was a big deal, right? And if you got a brother or sister to get milk through the nose. <laughs> 
That was, and my dad, the person who had milk through the nose had to leave the table, but mm-hmm. the person that made him laugh stayed, <laughs> which I always thought was like, to me, like, oh, then I'm going to make everyone laugh. Like, I, I, I could potentially sit here with my mom and dad and that's it. Uh, Every brother and sister gone. Uh-huh. But, but that's kind of probably where it started. And then when I went to, I mean, I used to listen to Bob Newhart albums, right. comedy albums, Cosby, Steve Martin, all the time, and just over and over and over. And then when I got to school... School. I, uh, Marquette. Marquette. Uh-huh. Uh, I listened to uh, National Lampoon and, right. and stuff like that. And I kind of did you went, listen to That's Not Funny? That's sick. Yes. Oh yeah. God, Gold Turkey. Damn. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah right. 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 Really. Right, right. Over and over. Nobody. I don't. I think very few people know That's Not Funny. That's sick. Really? Yeah. Which that album killed me. We'd listen to it all it's, the time. Uh, yeah. And, and lip sync it. Oh, it's amazing. No, so, I agree. It was so great. But so so I ended up going to Marquette. One of the cool things at Marquette was I hooked up with a guy named Jim Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I think you know Jim. Yeah. He's at Pixar now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's great. Um, right. and, and by the way, quick sidebar on that. We're up at Jim's house. He lives up in Sonoma. And uh, he and John Lasseter would carpool into Pixar together, and they become very good, very good friends. And the three of us were sitting there, and our wives were outside, and we're talking kind of inside. Having when, a, when was this? It's probably now three or four years ago. Uh-huh. And, and we were talking about, uh, that's not funny, that's sick, gold turkey. Uh-huh. And, and he'd never heard him. <gasps> and I was like, you're kidding me. How, are you, how can you be Pixar and not have this you know, in, your, in your quiver? And uh, listen to you. We sat down. Quiver. I'm gonna go also. That, <laughs> that, that you, know, you, you pull that shit out of your ass <laughs> so much, and it's like quiver and the Brannock device. I just no, want to know. Well, anyway, keep though. going. Just keep Thank going. You. I was not gonna bring that up. Right, but now that okay. All right. But what was great was Jim had an actual like um, record player, uh-huh. and he got his album, put it on, and we sat there and howled like we were back in college or we were teenagers. And here's the head of Pixar. And it was just, I mean, why, both our wives came in. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're listening to uh, National Lampoon. Right. And they were like, oh, that's great. Like any other wife would be like, what do you you're listening to an album? Right, but right, 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 right. They're right. So they get it too. Right. And so at Marquette is more importantly where I met uh, Chris Farley. He right. was a sophomore when I was a freshman. And I was kind of like the little local funny guy for the freshmen, and he was for probably the seniors, I mean, for the sophomores up. And um, we met, my brother introduced us at a bar, which I know is odd. <laughs> and we kind of met, but it was almost like two dogs kind of trying to figure each other out because we were like, "Yeah, I heard you're pretty funny." Right. And like, he was like, "Yeah." Some of the freshmen said, "You're the funny guy." Like this, and you kind of like, it was just almost like you know, like like the Jets and the Sharks trying to figure out who's going to win the, the turf war of comedy. And uh, then he turned to his group and did something funny, and they all laughed, and I did something in my group and laughed, and I didn't really know me. It was just this weird, you know, laugh off. And then I remember, um, I'll never forget this. They, uh, his girlfriend, Murney, Katie Murnane. Uh, was coming down this, the street one day a couple days later, and, and I, there was an old bit I used to do in high school where pretty women would, would walk down the street and I'd be with my buddies, and I'd instantly block the sidewalk with myself doing push ups <laughs> and just do the old, like, how's it going, ladies? You know, that gag. Sure, sure, and sure. And then, sure. And then it would always get a laugh, and these three girls just stopped, and that nary laugh, and I'm like, oh, jeez. So I went into the one handed, nothing. And I flipped over, I'm like, they can't see my face, I'm gonna really have to turn it up. And I'm thinking in my mind going, this is much tougher than my high school. Like, <laughs> but I'm in the bigs now, this is, this is like, you know. And so I started doing sit-ups, and I started doing it, and she stops and she goes, you know, that's really funny when Chris Farley does it. And I, and I, I, I went, Chris Farley stole my joke. And I ran and found him, and I'm like, you stole my push-up joke. And he goes, what do you mean, I didn't take any joke. And basically, we instantly realized that both of us had the same joke. Oh, it's fucking great. In our own high school. But you guys are, 
your humor similar. is yes. similar. Yeah, physical and really, all that. Really, but it's yeah. also like like I know that people would say, yeah, you know that that thing that this is what they used to say that thing that Farley does that's actually Finn's right. thing. Right. Did you hear that? That people um, would yeah, do people that. Yeah, people would say that a lot. Um, but we were both physical, and Chris was almost like Robin Williams, where sometimes he just takes things in like a sponge, and right. certainly isn't any kind of a malicious move on his part. No, it's no, more, no. Um, what he does, but we did. We ended up entering a comedy festival, and long and the short of it was, we basically just improvised and got out of it. But we had no idea what we were doing. It was, it was it's a long story. But at the end of it, Chris just turned to me because we saved our butts, and the crowd went crazy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it was almost just like God going, "All right, this is going to be a turning point in these kids' lives." Right. And we had nothing funny to say. We just kind of pulled it off in front of like two thousand people at Marquette Theater. Oh my God! And. Chris just turned and just the wave of laughter. He goes, this is what we were supposed to do. And in his eyes, I felt like, yep, you and me, this is, like, I don't know if that's, you know, what a baseball player does or a doctor, you know, sees Marcus Welby or ER and goes, that's, that triggered something to right. me. But when I went and saw Second City as a kid, that triggered something to what me. What company was that? Um, I, you know what? I, I think Steve Assad might have been uh-huh. in it. So Steve Assad, Bonnie Hunt, Bonnie, uh, Joe Liss. I know. I know. I saw Jimmy Belushi in when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like we'd go down there for proms and stuff like that. We'd always right, go. Right. And I remember like, I remember everyone turning to me, going like, "Say something funny. Give him a funny suggestion. You're not saying anything. You're the funny one." And I, I remember just kind of going, "No." And I turned to my buddy Mike Flanagan. I was just like, "I'll say something. When I say something funny, it's going to be on that stage." Wow, dude. Like that's where I want to be. That, that, no, you don't even right? know. No, like, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. it. Made sense. I get it. Did you make it to main stage? Oddly enough, I did in a weird way. Um, I got hired. Uh, I tried out um, the fir- my first audition ever. I had no idea how to audition. First uh-huh. of all, I, I went backwards into Second City. Um, I, I, um, I think it was Gelman was it was it was it in class and Farrell's tried out and he got in and I uh-huh. was too scared and I chickened out. So Farrell's goes, well, dude, you're not in the class. And so now I'm like, I'm out. That's it. And Chris right. is like, well, I'm already going to level one. It's on Tuesday, Tuesday at four. And I go, all right, I'm going to go. He goes, yeah, hey, just show up. I go, okay. So I walked Just in. show up? So I just showed up uh-huh. in the back there off Piper's Alley. That yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. So I showed up and there was like 15 in the class and he counts and he's like, oh, I guess there's 16. And, I was like, <laughs> and uh, You crashed the class. I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everyone's going up and, okay, let's do a scene about uh, doctor's office. Great. Another scene. Okay, you two get up there. And it's gone about 40 minutes and I haven't been up yet. And he goes, hey, uh, blue shirt, why don't, you, uh, why don't you hop up there? Uh-huh. I was like, ah, it's okay. He goes, hey, you're in the group. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. If I'm in the group, I'll do it. So I get on stage and there's two girls got up with me. And he goes, your location is uh, kitchen. And so I didn't know what to do. And there was a chair on stage. And <laughs> I took the chair and I turned it because the two girls started talking. And I sat down and I pretended to read the newspaper. But I sat down with my back completely to the audience. Okay, uh-huh. And so I'm sitting there. And so now the audience is right back right. here, and the girls are like, oh, I can't believe you're going to prom. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, well, thanks, Mom, and the corsage would be great. What do you think about that, Dad? Uh-huh. Just kind of played the, the dad who was right. really paying attention uh-huh. and turning the paper, and the scene lasted three or four minutes, and it was over. And we're done. And he goes, okay, great, great scene, great relationship. It was a really good uh, bounce from you guys. And Pat, funny lines there. Blue shirt, yeah, it, was, it was nice. Um, anybody have any comments? Oh, yeah, I thought it was great how they had a great relationship, blah, blah, blah. One girl raises her hand. Uh, I had a problem. Uh, what bothered me was the number one rule in acting and theater, which, of which I've never taken a class in my life, mm-hmm. is never have your back to the audience. That guy in the blue shirt the entire time had his back to the audience. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. And I remember just going, I started like grabbing my bag going, and that was my experience <laughs> in the world of comedy. And that's how I became an air traffic controller. And so I remember just kind of sitting there, and Gelman or Michalski, one or the other, just looks at her and just goes, 
That's what made it such a brilliant choice. I didn't even pay attention to that scene. I watched him the entire time. Right. It sounds Gelman. Right. Sounds and, and, he, and it was like, that was such a great. So, so, of course, the next scene. You guys are in a laundromat. Okay. Hey, blue shirt. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to turn your jacket. Like, I felt like I figured out my hook. Like my little, like, well, this was just kind of this brilliant movie. Right. You know who turns back? You're doing, you're doing a Finn right now. Exactly. You're doing a Finn. Finn owns that. Finn owns that. So, but anyway, so I ended up getting in and then toured for a year, and you were like the greatest director of all time. And I still, by the way, use one of my favorite things is we're doing breast litoffs. And, mm-hmm. and you had directed me and Susie Nakamura, who's phenomenal, mm-hmm. was in the scene. And I remember you go action. And um, uh, I walk into the scene and I was like, oh, Professor Tuck, blah, blah, blah. And you go, oh, yeah, hold stop right there. What kind of an office is this? I'm like, what do you mean? And you were like, where's the flag? Where's the globe? Is there a, is there a mounted bear somewhere? Is it cold? Is there a rug? Is there a ceiling fan? Right. And I was kind of right. like, oh my gosh. I, he goes, you've never been there before. You know, it was just, you walked in like you were walking into your bathroom to brush your teeth. Right. And it was a great note because right. you're right. Always notice where you are. Of course, I've taken it to the nth degree where, you know, I'll walk into a scene and it's a Dutch door or something. Just to, <laughs> exactly. Open level or blind. <laughs> I love the blinds routine. Were you the king of that? I love the blinds. So, but I stole the, you know, I stole this draw from you. Thank, well, that's always good. And then the, 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 always trying to get it, too. It's always yeah. a good one. We're just thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but so, um, uh, I, so I, I toured for a year, then got put out to the Northwest, which was great, and wrote a show with Bernadette, which was a blast. And that's then, right. And then wrote another show. Um, actually, it was Gelman. No, it was Bernadette, and then Gelman came in to direct. Right. And had a blast. And then uh, they were doing Old Wine and New Bottles. Yes, the show that I yes. was in. And so I was, uh, Joyce called me in her, in her office, and I was replacing Jackie. So okay. I was replaced Jackie, who was leaving. I right. was going to be the new main stage member. So I learned, at the time I was auditioning for the George Wentz show. Right. So I was flying out here on a plane, l- memorizing the madrigal. You're like, oh yeah, it wasn't, there was nothing funny about it. No. It was just beautiful. Right. And it was just neat. Uh, but so I ended up, uh, you know, I was... That magical, but... With you, you, yeah, the, no, but that was it. So then... So then that was the Sheldon thing. director of that show. Yes. Right. And my goal uh, in, you know, my life was to, like, I, someday I want to make the main stage. And the odd thing was that I got the main stage and three days later got a television show. So, and Joyce was like, either way it's a win. Right. If you don't get this television show, right. you're on the main stage. I think so, so many people, like, that has happened to, because I think that happened to Kenny... Uh, yeah. To Kenny Campbell, yeah. Kenny said, "You know, it's like I really want to make it to the main stage." And yeah. It's like you know, you're gone, you're yeah. gone. Yeah. I, did Ian make it to the main stage? I don't think Ian Gomez made it to the main I stage. I think you're right. I think he went to. He came out ETC. here. Yeah, etc. In there. Yeah. Right. He came um, out here. Uh, but but it's just the way it worked out. It it is. And 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 looking back on the, all that, I've, and who's I talking to about this? You know who? Um, you know who really. We owe all this to Sharna. Hmm? Sharna. And I don't think, I think that she gets credit, but I don't think she gets enough credit. Um, I, I've always had a great relationship with Sharna. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was always good by me. Um, but I, and I know that there's been hiccups with other people and what have you. But right. You're right. I mean, here's two people that they were improvising as a company in a business just as much as we were improvising on stage. Yes. But they gave us a playground to play. That's really true. And, uh, you know, it's funny. People out in L.A. don't, you know, I'll say, oh, I'm going to do a show at the Improv Olympic. Oh, wow. I mean, is that good money? Right. And it's like, no, there's no money at all. Right. And managers and agents will be like, well, why are you doing it? Right. right? 
because I get better. It cuts my chops. It, it, I'm stronger as an improviser, right. which makes me stronger as an actor. Right. You know what I mean? And not only that, it's bowling night. It's bowling That's night. The, yeah, it's no, bowling you're right. night. Go out, it's a a night. But that all helps with your artistic uh, with, with your artistic voice. Yes. The yeah. idea that I know that I am going to go somewhere now that I can unfold and further evolve yeah. what it is that I am right. with people that I fucking love to work with. I agree. And uh, and and uh, beer shark mice like like every member of that group, it's 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 you know I, I when I think about you guys I, this is gonna sound weird when I think about you guys I think about the, you fuckers should be on Mount Rushmore there should be oh, fucking be think, a Mount I swear to God it, it was um, it's funny Pete uh, Holtney started the group right and basically there's two reasons one was Pete was always physical. Right. And I was always physical. Right. So therefore, Pete and I were always separated. Mm -hmm. We never played together. Mm -hmm. And Pete always wanted to play with me, uh -huh. and vice versa. Um, and I get it. It's like a center on a basketball team kind of a thing. Right. And then Pete uh, was, was living with uh, Neil at the time, uh, Neil Flynn. And mm -hmm. then Dave Keckner and I were, were doing a bunch of stuff together. And Pete and Mike Coleman were really good buddies. And Pat McCartney was in New York. Right. Right. He was right, the, right. in the original one. Right. And he, he was, his nickname was Wild Card because he was just... Oh, yeah. You never know what was coming no, out. No, no, was, no. He was no. great. Yeah. But with that being said, we all we all got together to, to rehearse, and one of the first thing was, let's make something different than anything ever has ever been done before. And it's really difficult because right. it's funny. It's funny, it doesn't have to be different. Right. But our thing was, we remember it started with we were doing a scene, and two people were in an office, and we were just rehearsing, trying to find our, our voice. And oh yeah, how are you? Oh good. Uh, we can't believe we have that meeting later on. Oh yeah, good. And then somebody came in and said, hey, I'm here to drop off some uh, <clears throat> uh, to feed the pop machine, dropping off some some pop. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's down the hall. Great. And then left. And then what always happens in any scene is you continue to follow these people. Right. But we were like, let's follow the person that nobody's following. Right. You know, the, the prison guard in the prison scene that hasn't said a word yet. Right. I wanna, what's he doing? Right. And then it's also the idea that, uh, well, you and me should go to the baseball game. Boom, we're at the baseball game. But what right. happens between then? You got a ticket in your car. You got a flat tire. Right. You just ran into your old girlfriend. Whatever. It's, and then follow no those room. fucking stories. Yeah. So we just really branched out into crazy worlds and just would, would make sure we always try to come back to stuff, but that's kind of where it came from. And it's funny, we tried to get, um, we tried to write a movie like three or four years ago, which is really difficult, but we all, we got like five or six tapes of shows that people had bootlegged or found and we mm -hmm. watched them and we'd never seen them before. Right. And it's funny because we watched them and we were all just kind of like, oh, that's, pretty, <clears throat> that's a pretty funny show. Like, you just assume, okay, well, the thing about improv is you're always trying to get better. Right. It's like golf. Like, nobody's going to get 18 holes in one. Right. So you're going to have a great score. You want to get a better score. Uh-huh. And um, so it was. You're kind of like, wow. And even on, there'll be times I'm on the side of a stage watching a scene, laughing, and then you're like, oh, shoot, I'm in the show. Exactly. Like, because you're so entertained. <laughs> right. Especially with those guys, yeah. too. Because you're never, when you look at those people, you're watching them and you're just going, yeah. I'm not worried about what they're going to do. Right. I'm not worried that they're going to fucking drop the ball. I'm not worried that they're going to not right. hear something. Yeah. They are going to be present to that whole fucking thing all the you time. You never spoke on the sides. Right. You never said, like, no. hey, what was uh, Dave's character? No. Because you, you no. missed so much stuff. No. But it was all these details. Everyone brought their own, you know, Neil was very cerebral, and Dave had great characters. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite like just simplistic stories, but it just, sometimes people just drive and try to do something until they find it funny and they forget about just the simple things that go into, you know, packing a suitcase of, of, Clearly. of the comedy. And right. I remember, I think it was, Holney was uh, a superhero gonna, you know, throw the earth into the, you know, into the orbit. And uh, he was riding a motorcycle and he was basically impervious to anything. Uh -huh. And so he's like, wing and giant ball of fire. And he just goes, wing. 
and then somebody had like you know wall of knives and scorpions you know <laughs> crashed right through it and then, and then Coleman who's brilliant just goes he's waving his arms in the air in kind of a uh, you know an S curve you know figure eight kind of manner uh-huh. and he just goes jewel bag <laughs> Which is the plastic grocery bag in Chicago. Like it was just a drift in the wind, and, and that's the thing that wiped him out. And he's like, jewel bag. Oh, that's hilarious. So I told that's my hilarious. agent to call here, by the way. It's probably, oh, my God. Oh, but my God. Oh, that's so but yeah, it's fucking such a, funny. But, I mean, but that that's was, Coleman, too. Yeah, like, that look at like, Mike Coleman. That was like every night. Right, You just right. forget. Like, it was just... Right. And there aren't a ton of... Um, nobody really has a lot. We just did a show at the I.O. and they didn't record it because they're like, well, we didn't want to jinx it. And we're like, oh, that would have been a really yeah, right. show. Who but, the fuck did you play? But that's one of the beauties of, of improv in, in a bizarrely romantic way. I would say it's kind of like just a blank canvas. We make a painting for the audience and then we take it away. Right. And that's what's so cool as an improv audience member is that you're seeing something that'll never happen again. You'll right. never see, you come out as Crazy Eddie, you're never going to see that character again. Right. You know, selling walnuts on a corner. You know, right. and I always say it's also like an acid trip when you read a re- Remember when you re- read a review in the, in the reader? Mm-hmm. It's always like, and then he came out with a mi- uh, bi- uh, motorcycle and scorpions almost hit him. Well, the man with nine feet came out and said, you've got to... Because it just sounds bother. like, what the Don't heck even bother. Was Don't it? Even yeah, bother. but that's what makes it so right. great. The audience right. gives it to you. Right. Um, all right, I'm going to stop there because that was really a beautiful thing oh, to do. Oh, cool. We really, that was... Sorry, was really, that too long? No, right? that was yeah. awesome, right? That was really, really yeah. good. The, um, that was, I, it's like, I, I'm... I'm, I'm 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 listening. I'm present to all that. And I'm going. I could talk to you for fucking ever. Uh, well, I and that's say, the thing. Well, I yeah. I could you know, talk I could just talk to you well. forever. And the and and there's just there's an energy that you've got oh, that's just thanks. so fucking great, Pat. Thanks. It's just so great, and it's great that it's it, you're you're inspiring on a bunch of levels. And one of the levels that you're inspiring on is the same. It's the same school that Brian Stack has. It's that you're present, you're here, you're vibrant, you're happy, and it you get that shit all over everybody. Oh, and thanks. it's just so great. Yeah, oh, thanks, man. Well, no, and you were a big part of, of me even coming up because um, you were, you directed me in all the Second City stuff. And right. that, that was a huge part of, I still to this day, when I'm teaching classes or anything, come back to things, you know, and I'm like, hey, Dave Rosowski told me this. <laughs> and by the way, when I still, I, I just told the story the other day that... We were talking about nicknames, and somehow you would come up, and I go, oh my gosh, I always call Rosowski Ski. Right. And, uh, and somebody goes, why? And I go, well, there's a lot of Polish people in Chicago, and their last name you know, ends in Ski. And everyone just calls, hey, what's up, Ski? Right. That's like you know, somebody named Michael Bryan's OB. Right. And, uh, and, we're, and Ski was like, wow, that's awesome. Nobody, you said nobody calls you that. And I was like, what kind of a neighborhood did you grow up in? No. You not have <laughs> and then one day I saw your name written... Uh, written down and it's S-K-Y and I was like oh my god somebody goes what and I go Dave Rosowski must think I'm an idiot he goes what and I go I've been calling him Ski for like three years like, but and you were so wonderful that you're like don't ever stop not no, calling no, Ski no no perfect. but it's also it's like Rosowski it's not oh, Rosowski yeah, right. it's not like it's yeah, an yeah, extreme yeah. like no please. no no but no somebody calls me Razor oh nice uh, which is really good yeah um, didn't I I was Ratso in College. Oh, that's funny. Uh, no, in high school. Because okay. of um, Ratso Rizzo in uh, when Dustin Hoffman played Ratso Rizzo in Midnight Cowboy. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. right. And right. I had a bracelet. Somebody gave me a bracelet that had my. That's official. It's like Ratso. And yeah. So I carried that around. Yeah. Oh, boy, none of that. Are we still going? Because I have one quick story. I don't, I don't want to. No, go ahead. Long. No, no, no. No, I'm, I, I, back to Jim Murphy. It's mm-hmm. funny. Jim Murphy calls me Dino. And the reason he does is. Um, is that in college, uh, my phone number, I had two phone numbers, and one was Pat Finn. 
Like, yeah, yeah, right, right. And the other Lock. one was uh, the other one was keg beer. Uh-huh. Which I always thought was funny. And uh, so when I got out here, I tried to get Pat Finn, uh-huh. and they didn't have it. And the lady goes, "That's really cool. Let's try." And she goes, "You know, I can get you. I can get Finn." Like so, for my phone, the the end of it is oh, three, four, right. six, yeah, six. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did the same for, got Don- the, yeah. for Donna. And right. so, so Donna, uh, when we first got our phones, I called her, and her first three numbers I kept on screwing up, and I called this guy by accident. He's like, "Hello," I'm like, "Hey, shoot, sorry, I think I called the wrong number. No problem," and hung up. And then like two days later, I mixed up the numbers again, but with the same, you know, three, same four, six, up. six, right. and um, I just kind of hung up. I was like, ah, I just kind of hung up. And I don't know why people do, um, you just called me. Right. Like, he called oh, me back. Right, right. And I'm like, right. oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I go, it's my wife's number. And I just, you know, like, goes, you know, your number came up on my thing. And I said, yeah. And he goes, hey, your, your last four numbers are 3466. Six. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, uh, mine too. And I said, I know that's how I keep on screwing it up. And I apologize. I'll, I'll figure it out. And he goes, yeah. Hey, can I ask you something? And I said, sure. And he goes, are you a huge fan of dinosaurs? <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not against them, uh, but I don't really go out of my way to, uh, um, can I ask you why you asked me that? And he goes, well, because I figured that's why you have 3466, because it spells out dino. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That's awesome. And I said, well, it also spells Finn, which is my last name. And he goes, so awesome. okay, so you don't care about dinosaurs at all. And I'm like, Again, I'm not. I, I don't frown upon the existence of them, and I'm not. I people like Jurassic you that Park. are responsible for them not fucking being around exactly. anymore. <laughs> so that was it. But I just love it. So he'll call me Dino. All right, all right, Dino. We're gonna be done. All right, thank, thank you, Dave you, Zosky. man. Thank you. That's You're awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Today's episode was sponsored by Modern Drunkard Magazine. For more information, go to www.moderndrunkardmagazine.com. Standing up for your right to get falling down drunk since 1996. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I am Ian Foley, and this is Mama Mel. That wad on the bottom of your shoe, it's mine. I want it back. Thank you. Prepare for enlightenment so bright, it will sunburn your soul with Mama Mel. I was watching a documentary about serial killers on death row the other day. Mainly because it's not Shark Week, but also because I like to watch shows about people doing at least one unspeakable act I'd never do, because it makes me feel better about myself. They interviewed this one dude awaiting his turn in the hot seat, asking him how he felt about his punishment. He said that since he's been in prison, he's had a lot of time to really study the Bible and is now a born-again Christian. Well, you know what they say, timing is everything. But I say, location, location, location. He follows up his epiphany by explaining that after he's fried, died, and laid to the side, he knows he's going to heaven because taking the lives of human beings for pleasure and stealing a cracker from a restaurant, in the eyes of the Lord, are the exact same sin, and he is forgiven. Now, I myself have stolen many a cracker over the years, but never once after stealing a cracker did I feel like I should probably wrap that cracker up in a tarp and bury it in a deeply wooded area where no one would ever, ever find it. Nor was I ever arrested and only avoided the death penalty by agreeing to tell authorities where I buried the rest of the crackers I've stolen so that those restaurants could recover them and have closure. 
Yeah, good luck getting past St. Peter with that awesome piece of reasoning, Stabby McStabster. But thanks for the insight. From now on, I'm going to carry crackers with me everywhere I go so that if I do catch the eye of a serial killer, he'll have another option to satisfy his lust for blood. <laughs>